everyone. This is Inside the Tribe. We talk here about moving to another country, integration, challenges, fun, and experiences while living in different culture. Today, I have a new guest. It's Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Hello. Thank you for joining uh, me for this talk. I'm looking forward to hear your story and um, know a bit more about you in terms of moving to another country and your experience. Originally, you were from New Zealand, right? Yes, yes. For me, I think I don't have this um, like a full vision. What is, what is it to be from New Zealand? It's just a really relaxed way of life. Like we're really laid back people, very, very friendly. Nothing's a big deal and nothing can't be fixed without a little bit of hard work and, as we call it, number eight wire. But these days, because I've been outside of New Zealand for so long, I feel like I've really missed a whole generation of nuance of what it is to be a New Zealander. So I might, I might not be the best true Kiwi to, yeah. <laughs> to be uh, asking about New Zealand. But, I mean, if you were raised there, it's still some, like, initial experience that builds us, right? Yes, oh, definitely. So for me, one thing that I notice all the time is in the summertime, I don't mind wearing bare feet, whereas my Swiss friends just are horrified that I don't have shoes on and tell me I'm going to get a bladder infection, whereas in New Zealand, you know, often we're in bare feet. Just in the and city? Especially, yeah, sometimes, not so much anymore, I don't think. Growing up, definitely, I spent my whole childhood with no shoes on. Um, at the beginning of the school day, you go to school, you take your shoes off, and you don't put them on again until you go home at the end of the day. Okay. <laughs> yeah, on the playground, it was all barefoot. So that's definitely one thing that I remember and hold on to from my childhood is uh, being comfortable with no shoes on. Yeah, that's a funny fact. I think then it should be quite clean in New Zealand because if I remember my childhood in Russia, I can't imagine, even in summer, not putting shoes because um, uh, it's terrible to say, but I mean, it's still, if you go out, you can find, you know, all the glass bottles broken and whatever yeah. what on the ground. So yeah. even when I was with my first daughter, when she was little there and you just walk and she was still wobbly, you know, So yeah. I was so afraid that she will fall because they put, you know, like hands on the ground and like she can cut herself and it's really little splitters. So right. I cannot imagine walking there barefoot only maybe in, <laughs> in the village or fields, but not in the city. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, often you'll go to the petrol station and someone will be filling up their car and they'll have no shoes on. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty clean. Um, the whole thing with New Zealand's tourism message is how clean and green and beautiful it is. And that's, and that's pretty true. I've traveled a lot since I left New Zealand. And every time I go home, I always tell my, my family, like, there is nowhere where the grass is as green and the sky is so blue. Yeah. Do you miss a lot home? I'm more homesick at the moment because of the unavailability or the un I can't access New Zealand. So if I wanted to travel there right now, it requires a two-week stay in a government-run quarantine facility. Yeah. And that's two extra weeks I don't have if I wanted to go. Um, but they're all living their best life down there in a COVID-free community. 
And, um, you know, my grandmother just celebrated her 98th birthday last week. And all my cousins and aunts and uncles from all over the country were able to celebrate with her without wearing masks. Is it so easy with COVID there? So they have no COVID cases in the community right now. The COVID coming in from abroad is brought in from people returning to New Zealand. You have to have some kind of residency permit or citizenship to return. And or else you have to be an essential worker. Like so, they're still filming movies in New Zealand. So lots of actors and um, film crews are able to travel to New Zealand right now. But <laughs> because they're a COVID-free community, they've just had the best summer. They've still got music festivals. They're still going to the winery. They still have their cafes open. It's like pre-COVID utopia, um, except you can't get off the island. I've never heard anything anywhere about it. Like, I don't, I don't know if any other country has it. Um, there's a few other countries that have it. Lots of um, Pacific Island countries. You know, it's really easy to shut the border. Yeah. When you're an island, not to say it was easy for New Zealand. They really did make a conscious conscious decision to close it down, knowing that their biggest gross domestic product is tourism, and that is a massive amount of income those people have lost to work yeah. for the tourism industry but it was really great to see on my Facebook feed over the winter when it's summer in New Zealand how many of my friends and family really just took the opportunity to explore their own backyard as opposed to taking a northern European vacation for yeah. a change yeah okay I hope they will stay healthy and <laughs> everything yeah. will be good yeah Totally. I didn't realize how much less stress I had about the situation, knowing that my parents and my grandparents were safe um, without COVID in the community, whereas my friends were, as their parents have been getting vaccinated, they've been like, oh my gosh, I'm just so relieved, finally they're vaccinated. I didn't really have that stress stress on my shoulders. It's more now, it's like, oh, it's been four years since I was home last. Um, I'm overdue for a visit anyway, and my mum was supposed to come at Christmas time and she couldn't travel. So now it's like, would it be nice to be at home and living in this society where it's still as normal as normal as you can imagine? Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Returning to the topic of moving, mm-hmm. um, the first move, which, which country was it and how was it? So my- <laughs> so my first move, I met my American husband traveling around Europe on a tour bus and we stayed in touch and and I went to visit him in the US um, and then over time we decided I would give it a real go and see if we could make it work by moving to the United States. And um, I loved it. I was like a kid in a candy shop. All of a sudden, all the things that I had never had access to as a kid were available and available in spades. So I absolutely loved the consumerism, that everything was super affordable, that going to the beach was really accessible because we were based in Florida. Um, Not that it wasn't accessible for me growing up in New Zealand, but, you know, I was 30 minutes from Miami Beach, this place that you only fantasize about going as a kid. I absolutely loved it. I thought Americans were just, so friendly and so um, interested. They're really interested in me coming from New Zealand 
sometimes I'd get funny questions like, oh, whereabouts in Europe is New Zealand? Or, <laughs> um, you know, where you can see the, the geography at high school was not their subject. But I really, really loved my time living in the United States and uh, eventually found an amazing job. First moved to Florida and then we were based in Georgia. And when I was based in Georgia, I would travel 50% of the year with my old position. So I got to see a lot, but also be based in the States. And then um, my husband worked for the same company and the opportunity was to come and do a two-year contract in Basel. That turned into three years and then we decided we wanted to stay. We had our children here and we really enjoyed the lifestyle. So we decided to try and make it here as our permanent home. Yeah. Is it big? Difference in mentality in US and New Zealand? So I think it really depends on which part of the US that you go to. I found moving to Florida and Georgia to be quite different to how I grew up. And, and that's a lot to do with the political um, conservative mindset that those particular states have. Uh, so when we moved to Switzerland, I did find coming back here, coming here that I aligned more with the values here in Switzerland than I ever really aligned to in the United States. Yeah. And it felt, it felt really comfortable here right away, whereas the U.S. always, you know, what I miss about the States, I miss going to the cash, you know, go to a supermarket and walk up to the cashier and have, like, a really awesome conversation with the cashier, just small talk, which I can't really do here in Switzerland. Or I'm not even sure if many Swiss people do that with the cashier. They do. They do. They do. Yeah. So Some... it's not, I miss that kind of thing. But the friendships that I've formed with my Swiss friends and my European friends are much, much deeper than I ever was able to achieve with seven years living in the U United States. Is it more surface communication it's... or what? It's more, yeah, it's more service communication and their intent is really, they, they, they'll say, oh, you've got to come over and have a barbecue. And their intent is very, very friendly and very open and welcoming. But the barbecue never happens. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just my experience. As I found more work colleagues to, that I got to know a little bit better, those doors opened up a little bit more. But because I flew for a career, you know, I might be flying with two pilots um, for two weeks at a time and then we're not rostered together again for another six, eight months. Yeah. So you almost never really, um, you know, it's kind of like this fleeting. It was, I never really found my footing because of the job that I was in. I think if I had an office job, it would have opened more doors. Yeah, kind of more the same people in the same situation, the same yeah. more yeah, routines. Exactly. What exactly were you doing? So um, I somehow managed to talk my way into being a corporate flight attendant for the number one private jet man manufacturer in the world. Ooh. So my job was, was to work with this amazing um, flight department as their cabin crew. It was a team of three permanent staff and about 12 at the time, this is when I was working, contractors. So I was on the permanent staff. And basically we would travel around the world showing the aircraft off to very wealthy individuals or to Fortune 500 companies 
or to uh, at the air shows. We go to air shows probably once or twice a month and have the aircraft on display for either the general public or ticket holders to come and view the airplane. So it was this really unique experience where I got to um, show off these amazing $50 million aircraft and I would be the cook and the cleaner and the caterer orderer and the service person. And I did all the jobs that a traditional airline crew would do, but it would just be me executing it. Um, And it was amazing. I, I loved um, the, I love aviation and I love the whole travel of it. I was traveling the world. I'm just, a, you know, I'm a country girl from New Zealand and I ended up traveling the world on these amazing aircraft, showing them off to billionaires. Yeah. I think it's quite rare job, I would say. Um, yes. Have you ever thought that you would do that? When I met my husband, he was working on super yachts in South Florida. And that is actually quite often something New Zealanders will go and try out for a couple of years. It's a great way to make some very serious cash with very limited expenses. They pay for everything from your soap and toothpaste to your meals to the roof over your head. But you are a slave as you're on board. You have no commute time. You wake up, you're at work. You're in a small space with 10 other crew. It can be quite a a bit of a pressure cooker environment because you're running a five-star hotel on the water to make these guest experiences amazing. And I didn't really love that experience so much, but I wanted to stay in that luxury segment. So I worked for Air New Zealand in New Zealand before I'd left. And I had done my last six months while living in New Zealand as temporary flight crew for New Zealand, Air New Zealand because they would offer these contracts over the summer to temporary staff yeah. to bring on more crew. So I'd done that, which gave me the visa I needed to go and work on super yachts. And then I worked doing that for a couple of years with my now husband. And then when we got married and I got my green card, um, I immediately segued back into a position that I could work in with a green card, which was back in aviation. Um, and I to get that position, um, every year there's a business aviation um, convention. And I literally walked myself around this convention in my high heels with my purse, with my resume in it, asking anybody and everybody, I'm a flight attendant. I mean, I literally had almost no experience. I'm a flight attendant. I'd love to work for you. Do you know of any jobs? I was really hustling. Specific, you know, you need to have this personality and character to do that. Yeah, I've always kind of been, like my very, very first job was in travel, the travel industry. I trained to become a travel agent. Travel agent jobs were hard to find because they wanted people with experience, but how do you get experience if you've never done the job? But every Monday there was a publication that went to every single travel industry office in New Zealand And so I called the publication and said, I've just graduated from travel school. Could I run an ad to let them know that I'm looking for a job? And I have more job offers than I knew what to do with. Um, I've always been kind of a little bit more proactive on that. I I want that. I'm going to go do it. So, yeah, I went and I knew I wanted to do this flying thing. And I literally walked into the Gulfstream booth and spoke to the chief pilot for flight ops and he said you're exactly the sort of person we need with international experience and would you be moving willing to move to Savannah I'm like 
yes. Um, and got offered the position not long after that. There was like some serendipitous moments that really solidified that connection, which you're like, you know, you can't believe happened when it happened. Yeah. But um, it all worked out and I, I loved that job, but I knew eventually I wanted to have children and that's not the sort of career. Yeah. I really saw like a lot of my colleagues who had young children, it was always a struggle to be away from them for so long because we would be gone for two weeks before how some of the pilots who were female and male struggled being away from their kids for long periods of time. And I knew um, that it probably wasn't going to be a career that I continued with full children. Uh, so when this opportunity came up to live in Basel and my husband was moving out here on a contract, I actually was able to speak with the CEO of the company about this opportunity. And he did this whole big chat to me and said, I hear your husband went over to Basel and how did he enjoy it? And I was like, oh, he loved it. And it's definitely something we'd be open to because, you know, I'm getting to the child rearing age. And, and he's like, really, you'd love this job? And I'm like, yeah, I'll totally come back though. You know, we'll have a couple <laughs> of kids, enjoy two years in Europe. I'll be back. That was like on a Thursday afternoon and my husband had this international contract Monday morning and they said, you know, having the spousal buy-in for that opportunity was a big part of moving forward with it. And, um, yeah, we we put roots down here really fast. We were like, we love it. So yeah. What did help yeah. you to, to get this home feeling and roots so fast? I think it was the romanticism of the city. We lived like quite in the centre of town near the Rhine for our first four years living here. And it was just amazing to walk down to the Munster, uh, you know, five minutes from our apartment and just have this whole European charming feeling that we had. Also, I was really lucky because I could view it as a new adventure. I had left my homesickness many years earlier. So I had already had all that homesickness with my time living in the United States. So I was able to transition pretty well. It wasn't my first first rodeo, so yeah. to speak. Um, and we made really good friends with a group of expats right out the gate. And that was key for me. I had a great social life. Hearing your approach to get the job, I assume you're more or less the same approach to get friends and uh, <laughs> some people you know and uh, yes. or have the common interests. I think you that was one of your talents. Well, I think um, I definitely have an attract and repel quality. You either like me or you don't. <laughs> and um, it used to bother me when people didn't like me, but now I'm not so fussed about it. I um, My schedule's pretty full and it's been incredibly difficult during COVID to, be a, to, to not be able to see everyone or people still want to meet. And I'm like, I would love to, but I'm serving x amount of clients in the next month and it's just not safe for me to yeah. meet with you and possibly do this job i am going into a big um job next week and last week i told my husband like you really got to tell me not to go and like i he has to remind me remember you can't meet up with anyone this week because you've got that job <laughs> like it's it's a struggle but I don't know. I think maybe it's the Kiwi way. We're just a really open nation. Um, and that is one thing I really, really miss is like when I take my kids to New Zealand, when they're running around and acting up as toddlers, people will walk by in the, in the mall and be like, oh, my gosh, they're so cute. Whereas here, you know, you get those looks 
I'm really sorry. There's pretty scaffolding up today. <laughs> but, you know, here, here, in, here in Switzerland, you know, if your children aren't behaving perfectly, you're always kind of like, oh, quiet, this is public transportation. You know, this isn't your space. Don't swing on that. You're always kind of managing the situation. Yeah. Now that we're, we've moved out of the city and we're in Bruderholz, I have an amazing group of friends up here and we're from all over the place. There's some, most of them are European of some kind, a couple of Swiss. Um, and I really love that I have this network now to call on when I need help because I think in the beginning, didn't realize with kids how much extra help you need. Yeah. And as they go through school, you know, just doing homework, there's some German things that I just don't <laughs> understand and that's a phone call. That's a phone call to a friend who's like, yeah, this is what that word is. You know, I can't figure out what it's asking for a word. And I know the German word for it, for a, for a puzzle or a, something that my son's working on. But the Swiss German word is something different. And that's yeah. the word they're looking for. One of my dearest friends has translated so much information for me. And um, they're always kind of putting my name out there with clients as opposed to just working with expats. Like, I, I feel like I haven't had the same experience as a lot of people had with finding Swiss friends because I've got a really great network. I'm very, very lucky. Yeah. It also can happen accident and the part of the luck should be there. Mm -hmm. But I was wondering what tips you could get give to people how to make this community around yourself? Well, it, I will say it was a lot of luck for one of my dear friends in particular. She just, as Swiss as they come from Balsaland, and the first day of kindergarten, she walked right up to me, took my handy out of my hand and was like, hello, this is my name. Here's my phone number. I'm putting it in your phone. You need anything, you call me. And she had actually spent time in New York as an expat. And she didn't speak English when she went to New York. So she was really kind of like I am in this situation. So she had a real empathy for me having to navigate this new space yeah. without knowing the school system or enough German or whatever. So I was really lucky there. And then I, we have a playground out the front of our house. And it was it's taken years. Like I've been living here six years. And it's just nurturing those little friendships, those little chats that you have at the playground and then you might meet organically and then, you know, your kids might want to play. So you're now connecting over play day. I don't think it's something you can force. I think it's just something that is luck, organic and being open to it. Do you do also such an action as your friend did to you? Do you approach people if you hear that they knew or they see that you, you see that they knew in the, um, you know, like a district of yours or... Yes, definitely. I um I will say sometimes in terms of personal friends that friendship, I'm a little more reluctant to invest in an expat. And this is only because majority of them move on. So it's almost like a protection thing for myself as opposed to wanting to have that person not wanting to have that yeah. person as a friend. Like I know that they're just a temporary situation. I do have a lot of expat friends, friends still, but I um, I don't necessarily look for my friendships in a specific group any longer. Yeah. Um, 
I'm a helper by nature. I've worked in customer service my whole life. So I absolutely want to help people where I can and give them, and this is my experience that I've had, but I know of someone who had a totally different experience. And I know of someone who had another totally different experience. So, you know, take it for the whatever face value I can give you from this conversation. I think that's where I can really contribute to a friendship is that I'm quite well connected and I am able to give lots of different points of view when someone comes to some specific advice. I, but going back to the helper thing, like I'm the first person if I see a lost tourist in Basel and they've got their phone (laughs) up here and they're trying to figure out, I'm like, where are you going? And you can see the relief melt off their face that they don't have to speak German and they're just looking for an ATM and you're like, okay, it's down here, straight ahead, you'll find it, no problem. So, yeah, yeah. I miss I miss that. I miss tourists. You miss tourists. Yeah, we all miss what we had, right? It's a bit funny that you mentioned that um, friends coming and going as the expats. Um, I have a fresh uh, impression to share. I just um, came now for our recording from a far, far away, far away mm-hmm. uh, party for our friend. Yeah. She was also um, to another country for several years, but she maybe came back. So I'm happy for her, not happy yeah. for me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Of course, you want to be thrilled for these people and you're so happy that they're giving these amazing opportunities. But at the same time, your heart, gets a little bit broken yeah true you have two lovely boys i do i do very lucky they're really cute and smart i mean living in switzerland for them it's something normal absolutely like they home yes how is it for you that they will not grow up 100 in culture that which you had it was really tricky for me in the beginning i realized with my first son quite early on that I was not raising Kiwi kids anymore and that things were going to be different. I really value the other opportunities that they're exposed to. A friend and I were just talking about this last night. They're exposed to other things culturally that I was never exposed to as a child. So I really try to latch on to those positives. But uh, yeah, I'm sad they can't run around in bare feet. (laughs) What is for you to be raised as a Kiwi kid? Except very close to nature or yeah I I mean I grew up on a farm so my experience was probably a little bit different to a city kid my impressions of like when I think about my childhood I think about a lot of freedom and a lot of work we were required to work on the farm with our parents from feeding um, animals to uh, helping them um, put them away in the fields at the end of the day Work like our parents worked 24 7, 365 because of a farm never stopped. Yeah, yeah. So I was always just around not just my own family, but every family in the community who would work like that. What I was really lucky is I had a couple of really good friends, and on the school holidays, I would like my mum and dad would go out to have lunch with their friends who were the grown ups and we'd all go out and the kids would go out and we'd play all day. And at the end of the day when it was time to go home, I'm like, I'm staying and I would stay at my friends' houses for like one or two weeks at a time. Really? And, yeah, and just go off 
to their farm and like it was a really free range childhood I mean we had acres on acres and we would just leave the day as five six seven eight year olds and just walk around the farm and exploring this creek and this pond and this you know we would just we would be out all day yeah so yeah I I really remember it being very very free range yeah it's it sounds lovely I my one of my grandmothers she they was living in in the village every summer we went there and so I you know I know how to catch and hold the rabbits and how to get milk from the cow. So when I share such uh, details, sometimes people are very surprised that I can do that. Yeah. But what does it add to personality from your point of view, this experience? I think I'm really open to trying new things. I'm really open to new cultures and to explore more because of just that inquisitive nature that I would have as a free-range kid really growing up as a teenager starting to fantasize about getting off the island and exploring other cultures and one of my very first trips when I left New Zealand uh, was to Egypt and as you're talking about how clean and green New Zealand is Egypt is the exact opposite (laughs) especially when you're flying into Cairo for the first time And as we were flying in, we were flying in for a good 30 minutes still over the city, you know. When you fly into Auckland City, the main city in New Zealand, you're flying over the ocean and then you fly over some houses for five minutes and then you land. And this city just went on and on and on and it blew my mind. Um, The other place that really left an impression on me when I was traveling uh, was actually your country, when I went to Russia for the first time and I walked into Red Square and I literally just started tearing up because I couldn't believe I was in the Red Square in Moscow. Like it just blew my mind that I had, the, my travels had taken me that far. Yeah, I think um, such a long distance traveling and being in absolutely different culture, they, they changes a lot. Yeah. It, it's funny how you put it in words, like you were thinking of leaving the island because I think it's also specific mindset. For example, living in Basel. Yeah. And if I tell to my friends or something like told before, they know now already, that five mm-hmm. minutes is Germany and five minutes is France. Totally. Crazy for them because if you leave, like even in Moscow is far away from, from border. Yeah. So in course. the middle somewhere until another country, it's, kilometers of flying yes and for me also because of that the living on the island which is you know you can't walk out of there you can swim or fly or something but it's also a a kind of a a separate world in the world Mm -hmm. yes definitely yeah I mean I've been to Novosibirsk so I know how big Russia is now (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's huge. It's huge. It's a long way from Nozhevsk to uh, Moscow. It's a long flight. Yeah, it is. So, no, you would also have that very isolated feeling like this is like I can't just leave. Yeah, to leave New Zealand, you have to have a passport. Yeah. So, we can go shopping in Germany for an afternoon. It's like, 
my that's like one of the funnest facts that my mum takes back to um, her friends. She's like, yeah, we took our passports and went grocery shopping. So in New Zealand, you can't travel to any country without passport. No, no, no other country without a passport. Would you tell that living in Basel is your last place to live? Like, are you done with moving? Never say never. <laughs> um, I think I'm getting a little bit more anxious about the school system um, being so different. I can see the pros definitely of having the streaming, but I'm not sure how that benefits my kids happening at such a young age before they really know how to reach their full potential. I, I like that in my traditional schooling, you were given a fair opportunity to learn the same thing right the way through at the same pace as the smarter kids and the slower kids. You were just given a curriculum and this is curriculum and you either did well or you did that. But at least everyone had the opportunity to be exposed to the same curriculum. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I've, I've heard pros and cons for so many people about this system versus the New Zealand system or typical British American school system. And then there's obviously the layers of do we put them in private school? Do we, is this our forever home? Do we want to make sure they have absolutely have with friends that they're growing up with kids in the neighborhood? Or would that be nurtured better in our home countries? Or so now I read more than ever, I feel like we're at this real pivotal fail go situation. Mm -hmm. But such deep roots here now with so many wonderful friends, um, the thought of starting over is not exciting for me. Yeah. If I would think to move to another country now, it's such an anxiety in the moment. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's yeah. too much. That's too much. Right. I think, like, if it was still just my husband and I, the work, like, we would just be like, right, great, where's the next opportunity? Let's mm -hmm. go. But when you've got kids in school and the number one thing is that they have a um, stable and solid foundation um, where they feel secure, you have to really start making some decisions. Yeah. I shared that in one of other episodes, but I think as a as a child of parents who moved a lot also, and mm. I changed schools and, you know, left friends with whom we said, we will write and stay together forever. And that times you just wrote letters. Yeah. So for me, it was quite easy because I was with my family. So I think it's also right. parents who makes this base and stable right. element, right? But I, yes. I, I see what you mean. Yeah, I see what you mean. It's encouraging for me to hear because I didn't move a lot as a child. Okay. So, and we moved once. Um, and all the moving I've done since has been as adults, but never with kids. Yeah, it's really encouraging for me to hear that you were totally fine with it Yeah, because you had your family. Yeah, I, I was fine. I'm not sure how fine it was for my mom mm -hmm. because she took the most stress to arrange home, yeah. even if it's, you know, like army troop yeah. living place. It's not very cozy one. But she yeah. made big efforts that we feel at home. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason why it's a little bit scary because I know it will be all on me. It will be all on me to get the kids settled. It'll be all on me 
to um, find my own friends and connections again. Yeah. And that's just like, oh, I'm too old for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, if it takes more and more um, energy, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you very much for a um, very nice story. I learned some new things today due to that. Right. Yeah. I hope our listeners will also enjoy and love with us. I'm really, really happy that I had you today on our talk. I'm really glad that you had me too. Thank you. And hear you guys in a week. That was Inside the Tribe. Bye. Thank you.